interpreter. Hey everybody, welcome to Throwing Wrenches. This is Eric Stahl. And I'm Daryl Scott, and this is the auto podcast that's got us a convoy. <laughs> On this episode of Throwing Wrenches, how will the way we buy cars change in the coming years? Sin City is getting Formula One racing. Are you ready? And we'll pay tribute to the Rubber Duck, who gave us the trucker's anthem for the CB radio era. All that and more on this episode of Throwing Wrenches. All right, everybody. Thanks again for joining us on Throne Wrenches Podcast. Again, my name's Eric Stahl, and I'm joined by my stellar, amazing co-host, Daryl Scott. All right. Throw any other adjectives you want in there. Truly appreciate you guys listening, and always love hearing your feedback. Let us know how we're doing. You can always give us a, a review on the old uh, Apple Podcast, or just get in touch with us the old-fashioned way. Uh, carrier pigeon. Hey, uh, how many reviews we got this week, Daryl? We I don't think we have. Do we have any? Zero, what? zero, zero, zero. That's right, Eric's going to shame God our listeners. Bless it. That's all right. There's there's more every day. Hit us up at info at wrenches dot com, or please leave us a review so Eric can sleep happily at night. Yeah, uh, but I did, did do a quick sound scan survey. Yeah, and uh, Google sent us a little thing that said how many people listen on Google Podcasts. Uh huh. I don't think anybody listens on Google Podcasts. There's like one or two people who use that platform. And I maybe I'm wrong, but is it Spotify and iTunes for everything anymore? Pretty much. I don't think Stitcher gets play anymore like you used to. Not, or what's the other one? Uh, yeah, it's, it was, Stitcher, I think, is kind of falling off the map. Yeah, Spotify yeah. is where it's at. Uh, Apple, too, if you're you know a big <laughs> – not to be confused with an Apple, too, an actual computer. Uh, but no, Apple seems to be kind of where it's at these, these days. But however you find us, you have found us, and we're very glad that you have. And, and feel free to share the show with others who might be interested in, in just killing some time and listening to two guys talk killing about Killing some cars. time, man. This is the best show on the radio. What are you it talking is. about? Or, or on the podcast dial. <laughs> and I'm getting over um, some sort of illness, so I promise He swears not to, it's not COVID. It is if, not If COVID. I die of COVID, I'm blaming you, Daryl. No, it's fine. I've got my Purell here. I'm just going to drink some here. Hey, if you don't know my co-host, Daryl Scott, oh. well, I've known this man for almost five years. He's the car guy's car guy. Hmm. Everybody loves hearing about his latest project, which usually borders on something noble to the car cause. <laughs> He's a man of principles. He's doing things right. But then this week, he shamed me and this podcast by selling a project midstream. You think you know him, but do you really? He's the monster next door. He's Daryl Scott. I apologize. Apologize for doing that. Can you tell I was a little upset? Uh, a little bit. Um, you know, it won't happen again, but it probably will happen again. Uh, for those who don't know my co-host, you've all heard him talk right here on this show. You've seen him maybe at the, the local Toyota dealer. But have you heard my co-host as a guest on other podcasts? That's right. He's what we call a SME. A subject matter expert. When he's not behind a soundboard or a microphone here in the Throwing Wrenches Studio A, he's a featured guest on other automotive industry podcasts as an insider. That's right. His calendar is filling up, uh, so you might want to book him now. And you know, if you do, just maybe, maybe he'll throw in a free autographed picture. He's Mr. Eric Stahl. 
Hmm. I wonder what's my good side. What is this side? This side. <laughs> Ready for my close up, Mister Demille? <laughs> Do you have a headshot? You ever gotten a professional headshot? No, no. I mean, we had some terrible ones done like twelve years ago at the dealership, and I hate it. I Did still, you say like, don't use this? I ever? still hate that picture. Yeah. Is it hanging on a plaque somewhere? No, I think it's on our website though. If you go to the website and look at it, yeah, it's pretty, pretty awful. <laughs> Can totally do it. Now. Yeah, yeah, it's keep, awful. Keep talking. I'm on yeah, Google. I'm like, yeah, I'm smiling, and I got like this. Back when I was skinny, I had a skinny neck. <laughs> I, I have noticed that my, my my neck has exploded in recent years. <laughs> maybe I've got a gland problem. Well, you know, back back at the turn of the century, that was a sign of well, maybe the, the previous century. That was a sign of uh, wealth and stature. It's still it's the size still of your, is. was it the the girth of your belly or your neck? I'm not sure. Which. I don't know. Did, wasn't that also the president the time where the president got stuck in a bathtub? Uh, that was Mr. Taft, and I was at his museum. Were you on my road trip? Yeah. Is the bathtub still there? <laughs> Everybody asks that question. <laughs> you know you're old. When? Yeah. All right. We have sponsors this show, Daryl. And before they cancel us, let's give them a little shout out. Good deal. Fort's Toyota Pekin. They've been there since the beginning. Toyota-Pekin.com. That gets you online to let you look at all of their inventory, their new cars, their used cars, uh, and also get you the service department, which I'm proud to be part of, Daryl. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but I work at Fort's Toyota Pekin. Mm-hmm. Listen, Fort's is sponsoring the local SCCA <laughs> This uh, summer, and they're also sponsoring Cars and Coffee. So make sure you follow along with local sports and local racing, local car club happenings, and support your local car dealership. Forts Toyota Pekin, toyota-pekin.com, and you can call them anytime at 309-382-4000. That's right. Uh, we'd also like to say a quick shout-out to uh, one of our other long-standing sponsors, Mr. Gabe Casey, a uh, long-time listener and uh, for many-time caller. He's been a guest on the show about, what, three, two, four two times? times? Two times, because he hasn't made the, the three-level like Steve Brown. All right. Well, if you do, Gabe, there's a jacket in it for you, just like the Masters jackets. They're green. This, does this give me an opportunity to be creative again? <laughs> it might. It might. <laughs> I appreciate your sticker mule and make a jacket. <laughs> Go online and make a Masters jacket. That'd be $3,000. Uh, anyways, Gabe, appreciate your support, sponsorship, and, of course, your friendship. We will look forward to your latest projects because as we've heard oh, through other channels and directly he's got a couple other projects including some vintage german i'll just say stuff stuff yeah he's got actually both his new latest purchases oh that's true he is he has german. six wheels of german action happening right he now. does he does so more on that definitely to come all right uh we always appreciate the feedback like daryl said earlier on you know thanks for listening but please share the show i share it everywhere daryl i was on linkedin I have, saw that. Do you share anything on LinkedIn? Um, no. What does the on point mean? On point? Yeah. Are you are you making fun of my profile? <laughs> a little bit. On point. It means I'm on point. Oh, you never okay. heard that phrase? Uh, I don't know. I mean, on point, like if you're in a, in a battlefield, like a group of guys, you are the point man. So you're the guy up front with the gun? Oh, okay, okay. No, I don't. <laughs> I've never been on a battlefield. No, it just means that uh, basically, you know, your message is on point. Okay, all getting right. a message all right. across. Anyway, that's Daryl's. That's Daryl's LinkedIn. Eric, I'm going to get you. I'm going to. How about LinkedIn Learning? I'm going to sign you sign you up for some LinkedIn Learning. Ever <laughs> yeah, do that? maybe some for, that make podcasts. All right. Also, thanks for commenting. You know, some people do log in every once in a while. They look at some of our Facebook posts and they say that's amazing. Kind of like Daryl driving in a 1990 Lesabre at the Bradley Car Show this week. Great Did you video, see the wave the of the king as he drove in the passenger seat? That was the that road was, to how did you, you even just whip the phone out and just start Oh, I mean, filming? as quick as I saw it, I'm like, this is a one-time opportunity. Hmm. It was great. All right. Yeah, please uh, jump on the Facebook page, follow us there. And, of course, go to throwingwrenches.com 
and you can always see all the latest stuff there too. No reviews, so whatever. You know what? We're gonna skip that whole section. If you guys don't love us enough, do reviews. I, you know, I'm so I'm, upset. He's so yeah. upset. Folks. I, actually, I did see Spotify allows you now to put star ratings. Mm. So I don't. If, if you can do it for throwing wrenches, I'd appreciate a couple stars. Maybe five. Four point yeah. five. No, five. Five. No, five. Straight no, five. fives. No, five. Yeah. I mean, it's a five or nothing. This is like the survey when we get to people at the dealership. You know, if, folks, if you don't see a reason to, to give us a 10, I need to know right now whatever I can do to get to 10 survey. Yeah. Whatever I can do right now in this podcast to get a five, I, I, I'll do that right now. Of course, I'll have to wait for the feedback. But, you know, that means, you know. <laughs> Screen it first. Send you a, you know, a bag of Oreo cookies or something like that. Whatever it takes. Right. We right. want a 10 survey. Or <laughs> Five. What's it going to take to get that 10? Anyways, um, so when you're not ranting and raving about reviews or the lack thereof. Um, oh, we should get back to the intro. And I, and I do appreciate you that? mentioning that. The Get In Her Lane podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, th- let's talk about that because yeah. you, you shared that on the Throwing Wretches Facebook page. And, and LinkedIn. And LinkedIn because he's, uh, he's on the platform now, folks. Talk about what that was and what your involvement was. Yeah, so there were some, uh, some young automotive professionals who – Talk about doing a podcast out of the regional office for my manufacturer. But they didn't want to be tied down to the manufacturer, so we're not really going to talk about that. I mean, everybody knows who I work for. So, But um, the two young ladies said, <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. And they had a producer. I mean, there's like a team of five people. But the whole point of the podcast was get in her lane is the automotive industry taken from the view of a female professional. Okay. And so it's a great little show. The first you know, 10 or 15 minutes they talk and they do their thing, and then they brought me on the show. And I told them, like, oh, this is so terrible. Why would you have me on? But, <laughs> but the conversation really did lend itself to, you know, females in the automotive industry, especially in the lower, what I would call the lowest level of the automotive industry, the retail end of it. Okay. Uh, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, their section, where they're at being at the top, it, it, you know, the distribution and the manufacturing, I'd love to hear more and more about what goes on there. But I was happy to contribute. So they gave me, like, 25 minutes or so. Nice. And we did a nice. little interview. On uh, Riverside FM, which is their their podcast platform they use, I think it turned out pretty decent. I did listen to it. I actually listened to it uh, earlier tonight when I started working on the document here, and uh, it, it actually it was a very good interview. I will say it is nice to have that perspective uh, because it is one. I mean, you and I are dudes. Yeah. Most of our friends in the car hobby industry, everything dudes, dudes right? Um, there's a few females that are interested in, in things or work in the industry that I've met over the years, but I'll still say by and large, it's not, um, you know, a huge representation, uh, when it comes to, you know, the biz and it's nice to hear that voice and actually encourage, hopefully encourage more women to get involved in that industry. Because honestly, if I had the choice to deal with <laughs> like some of these big egotistical dudes yeah. or like actually talk to, you know, a, a down to earth female who knows what they're talking about, um, I'd, I'd choose the female yeah. nine, nine days out of the week. Well, and so we say that. And I, I mean, I was honest about it too. I said, listen, I don't know how, you know, I, I, let's be frank. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times do I deal with it in my service department where somebody comes in and says, I'd rather talk to a man? Or is a woman? Oh, you get the other way. Yeah. yeah or yeah. is a woman coming in trying to negotiate a car deal? They bring a man with them because they don't feel like they can negotiate the car deal. Oh, you know. So there's, yeah. th- there's obstacles here. You know. You guys, Still in twenty twenty two. Yeah, and you'd think it was the nineteen fifties in some of these behaviors. So. Interesting. Uh, and I'm sure that's not unique to this particular line of work, this industry. I'm sure there's a lot that are like that. Yeah. Um, but it's good to get that perspective, and uh, kudos for them. For th- this is their first or second That was podcast? their first show. So. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, I look forward to more shows from them. So, yeah, get in her lane. We'll put a link at thrownwrenches.com. Check that out. 
I almost saw it slipping in the feed, and I might do that after. Maybe I'll put it back like two shows or something. If you want to go back on our feed and listen to it, sure. help them out, get a few get a few more ears, right? Absolutely. No, it's great. Uh, more content that's that's uh, useful and and well produced. There's a very well produced show compared to even some professional podcast. I'll say very nicely <laughs> whoa, done. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I mean, you're not comparing I mean, them to us, are you? We're the pinnacle of uh, <laughs> professional here. We actually, and just a sh- another short announcement, we should say. We're coming to you on some new equipment this week, courtesy of our uh, our Patreon supporters. Certainly appreciate their support. It helps us not only keep this program running, but also do things like replace the microphone cords that break over years uh, or help us improve our oh, sound. Oh, God. We've had some microphone cable issues. And don't – just word to the wise, don't buy Amazon mic cables. Not not good. Not good. Amazon, Amazon Basics, I think is what it was. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean it, it made a basic podcast for a while. I hope they don't have Amazon Basic Cable in the uh, Blue Blue Origins rocket ship or whatever. Anyways, um, Ouch. but no, we've Ouch. got a lovely, lovely new mixer, and uh, it actually it makes us sound a little bit better. It has a little compression built into it, and I've noticed as much as I shout and rave about the reviews, it doesn't clip. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So beat that. So. <laughs> the only thing is. The moment of Musk. I I, I got to tell you, I'm mm. bitterly disappointed that I don't have an effects pedal or something like that that I could make moment of mech, moment of Musk echoes and reverberation like I'm used to. So um, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll suss that out yeah. as things go on. If, if that means putting something else in between, you know, eh, this microphone, you might have to actually. You know what? We could do it in post and then put it on a hotkey. Do all the echo and uh, audition or something. We'll work on it. We're just now learning the machine anyway, yeah. so it's all good. All right, so the first section of the show, Daryl. Yes. We're going to go to projects. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. Do we have a theme song? Uh, no, not for projects. Okay. I think maybe I used to just do that thing where I go, projects! <laughs> With echo? Yeah. Uh, we'll figure, we have to figure this out now. Yeah. All Anyways, right. what you been working on, my well, friend? Well, so I, the Tacoma, I, I'm going to tell you this. At 97 Tacoma, I talked about last time how I <laughs> had the brake lines got oh, yeah. fixed. Got it to the shop. I think on the last show you talked about uh, nursing it into the yeah. shop. Dude, that that proportioning valve on the back of that little Tacoma was like something that pulled out of the Titanic. It was so rusty. It was that bad. I mean, it was epic rust. Yeah. Epic. Just chunks of rust hanging off this thing. Uh, so uh, my technician, Drew, he figured out a way to bypass the proportioning valve, and we basically just did one line back to both both rear brakes. The, the e-brake doesn't work anyway. i, I got to tell you this. We were out chainsawing some stuff out. In the, this is now my yard truck. I love it. Yeah. I drive this truck everywhere. I drove it to the track meet the other night. Uh, we drove it to my buddy Jake's house to go pick up something. I have no reason. Of all the vehicles I have to drive, I don't know what it is about this little five-speed 1997 regular cab 4x4 truck. I'll drive that little Toyota everywhere. But the other day we were chainsawing, and my son put it in – it has no e-brake, so I told him, I said, put it in gear. Yeah. So he parks it on a slope towards the debris field of what we're picking up. Okay. And it's not a huge slope, but it's enough it's an incline that if the truck were to let go, it would roll into the woods. <laughs> go into the river or something. Yeah. And I told him, I said, you can't do that. He goes, what's well, in gear? It doesn't matter if it's in gear because all it takes is just one one turn of that crankshaft and that sucker. She goes. Yeah, she's yeah, going. Yeah. Said, and then the other thing about it is, okay, crank the wheel. Understand that if you crank the wheel, it can only do a half moon and stop. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe. It's at least yeah. better off. So I've had... It just—it's a whole. It's, it's a teachable moment for them yeah. because you, I do that with the old cars too because a lot of those are the same way. E brakes weak or it's low compression, so you park it in gear and you're on a hill. It's still going to creep and creep and yes. creep. Yes. So it's either block of wood or you crank the wheels and yeah. So, anyways, so you're out there chainsawing. 
Yeah. So anyway, so that he was like behind. I'm like, dude, do not turn your back on this truck ever when you do something like that. <laughs> Are you so, loading it up with firewood? Oh and stuff? yeah. Well, no, we were just we were chainsawing some. Uh, I took down a hedge apple tree. I took down a couple of pine trees, and uh, I tell you what, man, put it in four by four, low four, just creeping around the yard. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it, love it, love it. I I I. You, I loved my 96 Tacoma when I had it back in the day. And I it, when, the day we got rid of it is because we got a car seat. and There was no reason for us to have a regular cab truck with a kid. It just didn't work. Sure, sure. Uh, but now that I'm at that point in my life where I'm nearly an empty nester, a regular cab Tacoma, five-speed. Yep. That's where it's at. I don't care if that thing's – I mean the guts are like hanging out of it with the rust on the side and I don't care. Yeah. That's even better. Right. It's even it, better. It's nice to have something. It's like I had a 94 Suburban that was like 300-some thousand miles. Yeah. I got it for free. Yeah. Got the thing running and driving. And I, it became like this Swiss Army knife. Yeah. It was like I found reasons to go to Menards to throw yeah. huge stuff in it. I got rakes in it right now. I got chainsaw. <laughs> I got bar oil in the back seat. I just throw my chainsaw and just drive whatever I'm going to do. Lop up a couple logs, throw it in the back of the truck. So you're saying everybody with acreage needs a 97 Tacoma. Yes. Don't buy a Polaris Ranger. No, it's the same friggin' size, Mule. When you look at the size of those things, yeah, yeah, that Tacoma, I guarantee the footprint in your garage, barely any difference. And, oh, by the way, I can take this thing on the road and I can do 70 miles an hour and take it to the dealership if I need to. And with brakes or without brakes, I talked about the last (laughs) show. Brakes optional? (laughs) No, it's got brakes now. So everything, as far as the brakes go, she's she's safe. She's good. Yeah, tires are, they're okay, but they're not they're not terrible. Um, it's like the Commander Cody. So song. somebody Brakes took scoot, out the twelve fair. volt linkage to the uh, to the the twelve volt outlet because I was going to put in a Bluetooth so, mm. I, could, so I could stream my music because I'm still a nerd. I got to stream music to the radio. What kind of what, is it? Just an AM FM? No, somebody put in a, like a Pioneer from like ten years ago, oh, fifteen okay. years ago. Okay, but uh, but the, there's no wiring to the twelve volt, and I. I, I don't know what's going on there, so I, I almost need to pull the radio out and see if they bypassed it or something when they put the radio in. So. They, they might have stolen that for uh, maybe something. Power a clock. It's not or even a big deal, really. Yeah. I don't even know why I care so much. It still gets it gets a good FM signal because it's got that solid bar antenna on it. You can always just do a nice solid Bluetooth speaker, and then when you're at work and you take yeah. it with you and yeah. put it on the tailgate. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I love I love the little truck. That's cool. So I'm going to get a little mule. That's my whole thing now from Romancing the Stone. Yeah. I think I'm going to get like a decal on the side of it called Little Mule. <laughs> what was it in Romancing the Stone? Was it like a Land Rover or something? Uh, it was like a, it was either an old Rover or an old FJ40. I can't remember if it was a Toyota or not. Uh, it's been forever since I've seen yeah. that movie. Yeah. But it, was, it might have been an FJ40 he was going nuts in. It could have been. Yeah. It could have been. But he called it My Little Mule. My Little Mule. I and, forgot about that. Yeah. Were there so, two? There was Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Romancing he, Stone was the better one, obviously. You should put that on your, your free TV movie channel or whatever you watch upstairs. I watched it like a year ago. Did but you? like I said, Little Mule, I think is, that's the name. Because it's a little work truck. I'm going to call my Little Mule. I like it. Uh, take my Little Mule. Yeah, Very cool. And it's on my – I've been using it on my Instagram, you know, little mule. Love it. Yeah. That's your hashtag. Yeah. You might marry it. You see in the – I'm looking at the notes here. It says, I love my Tacoma. I might marry it. Why don't you marry it? <laughs> I might. I might do it. Ah, you know, so you, I could just, you know uh, – as a matter of fact, it has a pronoun. It's a it's a she, her. So, you know. Could, Is it? Is yeah, it? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you could give it – I mean, some people – people have been asking me like, oh, what are you going to name your new Cadillac I, that we got? Like, do you have a name? No. I haven't – because I have to give it thought. It has to have a personality. Little, little right? Mule just fell in. I'm just like, it's Little Mule. I like that. Yeah. yeah. You got vanity plates now? Yeah. It's got antique plates, which I love. I love even more driving a Tacoma with antique plates. Oh, yeah. How, how ridiculous does that sound? Well, you'll, 
I drove my, when I had my my old three quarter ton Chevy pickup with rust on it and everything else. I drove that to work <laughs> a few times to pick up some stuff, yeah. and I had a guy in a parking lot. You aren't supposed to have those plates on there. And this is it was a '76, and this was like 2006 or seven. Screw that guy! You aren't supposed to have that on there. What this are you, for the DMV? That's what I said. I said, "What do you work for the uh, the IRS?" Mm-mm. That's not for blah blah blah. You're was cheating the system. Mary's husband from Rosemary? <laughs> no, but he probably would. He probably was related to a state worker. I'm like, really, dude? Of all the places, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm related to a state worker. Yeah, well, I guess I am too. But <laughs> no, it's just one of those things. Like, come on, of all the stop, yeah. just stop. I'm not that. I'm not that guy. Yeah. Maybe I'm that guy. Yeah, no, we have, guy. we have extended antiques, so that means you know I can. I'm, I, it doesn't have to just go to a car show, right? There's no it, mileage it, restriction. It, it can go to Menards. As a matter of fact, the best thing that happened to it here recently is the odometer stopped turning and the uh, speedo <laughs> stopped working. So I'm like, oh, that's a drag, right? I mean, kinda, not really. It's 160,000 miles. I guess what? She's never changing. <laughs> Only got one hundred sixty thousand on it. Yeah, it was working when I got it, so it wasn't like that. Just like one day, just gave it up. So interesting. Uh, other things. So my when my son's truck was in the shop and he had a compression problem, we didn't know what was going on. We put an injector in it. He was in the shop for three weeks. And during that time, he had to drive our Tundra, and it snowed a couple times and weather was bad. I'm like, all right, it's fine. Whatever Tundra's four wheel drive. Well, then Angela takes the Tundra to go with the horseback riding two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and she sends me a video, and she's like. Had I set this mixer up right, I could play the video through the Bluetooth. Oh, yeah, get the audio going. Stupid of me. We should have put that on there. So you could hear the video of my wife complaining in in the video of the steering wheel being off center by about a whole hour. It's off about, you know, five or 10 degrees. Okay, that's interesting. So I said something to my son. I'm like, did you run into anything? Oh, no, I didn't do anything. Get in the shop. That alignment is whacked. So I got to buy a new tie rod for it. Huh. It was not like that last fall when I parked Slide it. Slide into a curb or something? Who knows? I yeah. tell you what. It's... Well, there's um, – well, no, I was going to say, that's that's not a straight axle truck, is it? On the front? No. Yeah. No. Independent front. Okay. It shows yeah. you how much I've been undermined. No, no, that's fine. But uh, it's just it's just one of those things is like, oh, I fixed his truck. But in the meantime, while I was fixing his truck, he broke, <laughs> broke my other truck. Broke yours. Oh, by the way, last year he broke the Tacoma. The kid is a menace. It's it's the age. Right? I it's a phase. I don't know. I can't. I can't afford to to like let him drive anything anymore. I swear Just to give God. him the Tacoma and say, yeah. "Here you go, via yeah. con Dios." Yeah. And then the other project. I basically we went on spring break. We took a big road trip. So if you want to follow along on that, you can always go to planetstall.com. Beautiful and, uh, time out in D.C. and points east. So cold. You got to see falling waters with snow. When you put those pictures up, I thought it was like a postcard. It was beautiful. Did you see the uh, video version I put on my, my story? It was just no, like the, just the, the, the waterfall falling. No. So I was so mad when we got there. I'm like, oh, God, the weather sucks. But you're so – have you ever been there? Uh, to Falling Waters? Yeah. No, no. Okay. It's very secluded. So no matter how crappy the weather was outside, and Falling Waters is a beautiful uh, house that Frank Lloyd Wright built on a, 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 an active stream and waterfall in western Pennsylvania, southwest Pennsylvania. Uh, it's a work of art on its own. It's a cantilevered house with several different levels that uh, uh, was private up until the 90s, but now it's a museum. Anyway, we got there. I'm like, oh, the weather sucks. It's cold. But as we got there, I mean, there's literally snow drifts going across the road. I mean, the weather was getting bad that day. Mm-hmm. And I was still disappointed. But then as we got there and the snow was gently falling and the trees just had buds of green everywhere, I'm like, you know what? If we'd gotten here and there was no snow and it was just gray – be this kind of blah. It would be very blah. Yeah, yeah. I think the snow like accentuated the whole moment. 
It's it, gorgeous. You did some really nice photography there. It stopped us from maybe doing like the full tour of walk around the outside of the property. Mm. Uh, but we, did, I mean, the, the inside tour, and I'm going to tell you this, my DC tour, I had a, a phenomenal guide at Falling Water, Sandy, she was there. Uh, in Washington, D.C., we were at Arlington House at Arlington National Cemetery, and this guy, Scott Hill, uh, was our national park guy. He was amazing. And we went to Monticello, and my guide there, and I remember their names because I remember outstanding people. Don hmm. McCracken was my guide there. People who just love what they do, you can tell. Yeah. And so, and sometimes I feel like, man, I really have that enthusiasm. I'm talking to the right person about the right car. I, I'm totally into it. I'll do that. Sure. But I never have that kind of time. These people had like 45 minutes to an hour to walk around and tell you everything. Yeah. And Sandy at Falling Water was – she knew everything. I yeah. mean, I'd be like, oh, what's this picture? Oh, that's this, this, this. What, what's that? I mean, she knew every every thread of every furniture. She knew about the <laughs> – she knew about the, the tilting of the house and how they measured it. I mean, she knew the architectural aspects. I was blown away. I mean, this th- – Very well-read. Yes. Yeah. It was awesome. I love that. I love that. When you go to a place and you're just completely um, just impressed. You're yeah. impressed by the, the place, the location, the whatever, and then the people who kind of help it come alive. I'd much rather sit and talk to somebody like that. Yes. Like the park service or whatever than – Oh, there's a guided tour. Here's your headphones. That's what I was so afraid of. Yeah. I was afraid I was going to get this like horrible person. I was going to get the high school tour, which when we were at Monticello, there was a bunch of high school kids, and they're like, "Oh, hurry up! You'll get, we'll get you with this other tour." Like, thank God, you know. And so we're, you know, the guides at these different places. Now, don't get me wrong, I have no patience. We went to the Smithsonian. We went to some other stuff, Washington. I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah, it's a it's a lot to get through in those. It is. It yeah. is. But which uh, which uh, Smithsonian's did you go through? We went through natural history and American history. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, you've been there before. No, no, but I, here's what I, I will tell you, Daryl, and this is what I'll, I'll take from the whole thing. We have world class facilities in Chicago. I will tell you, the Field Museum is as good as anything at the Smithsonian Natural History Museum. I agree. And I going going to the Boeing Museum and going to the Moon Exhibit uh, a couple of years ago. You know, I saw everything as far as moon rocks and all that stuff and the mm-hmm. Apollo capsules. I mean, I I guess I get to the point now in my life where. I'm too old to go to museums unless I know exactly what that museum's about. So yeah. if I'm going to I'm not a I'm not a uh a war history nerd like Gettysburg or something like that, but if I go to Gettysburg and it's all Gettysburg Museum, good, because that's what I want to be there for. Mm-hmm. If I go to the Smithsonian and the Smithsonian had an exhibit on Dorothy's shoes and it also had one on video game art. I'm like Ugh, curated <laughs> exhibits. Right. The first ladies in their dresses for inauguration. Barbara Bush's blue dress and all yes. that. Yeah, and their silver, their 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 sets of silverware for the White House. How cute! Oh, I, I mean, but that. some people, especially who there were, the, some you, there were not. women pressed up against the glass. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. And, I, and I'm I'm not trying to be sexist. Here we are. We're just talking about getting her lane podcast. Um, but I'm like, oh my god, this is a step back. This is not what I. I mean, if you're going to do an exhibit about the first ladies. You know, you could talk yeah. about Eleanor Roosevelt probably for a whole section. You know, you could talk about all these different social aspects. I mean, because the first lady, even though she wasn't elected, she has a duty. You Very know, and she takes it yeah. upon herself to get involved with stuff. Sure. That's not what this exhibit was about. It was literally the most – it was ter- Just superficial. It was. It was yeah. terrible. Anyway, anyway, we're getting totally sidetracked. Uh, it's a podcast about cars, folks. <laughs> they did have the EV1 from General Motors. Yeah. At the na- – Natural history. Or, uh, yeah, natural – 
Natural History. Is it natural? No, it's not Natural or History. The, no, it's at the American History. The American History. Have you been there? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. yeah, they have the EV one. They had a couple. They have a whole transportation exhibit. A lot of riverboat stuff. I was shocked by the amount of riverboat. It's kind of neat. The EV one is sad to see there though, because when I went, it was 2005, yeah. and it was less than well, almost about 10 years old. Or, you know, 10, it looks glorious. Years. I got some good pictures of it. It still looks great. And it still, by the numbers, would be completely practical and be a great machine to have. Did you ever watch that, Doc? I did. I have not watched it. I think it might be on Prime. I need to go back uh, and who, see. If I... Is it Who Killed the Electric yeah. Car? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. Um, there's another one that just showed up in one of my car groups. Somebody shared a picture and they said this is one that's still in private ownership. Nobody knows about that's it. That's not possible, is it? There's there's one, and they had the same power plant that was in the EV1 was in a bunch of Fleet S10 pickups. They were they tried that as like a test mule before the EV1 or whatever, and a few of those ended up in private hands, even though they're supposed to have all been crushed. Um, so there's some weird stuff they've huh. they've managed to smuggle some of those out, but I think there's only like what is it like ten that are still floating around the country. Maybe. I, I always thought there was none, so I, you know, what do I know? But It was sad, though. I remember Sarah and I went out there in 2005, and we did, like, Williamsburg. We did all kinds of stuff, but we did uh, D.C. for a day. And same like you. We just ran around. I'm like, I don't like any of this stuff. It's just like I felt rushed. I felt like, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I saw the EV1, and that hit me because I'm like, why is this technological advancement, this American invention – that could revolutionize things. Why yeah. is this in a museum? Right. This is history because they wanted it. Yeah, it's tough. To be history. The EV one's a tough one because it's a it's a car that had so much potential, but yet yeah, was just a, a colossal failure in some ways because it was a marketing failure. Yeah. yeah and, and I actually I was on the GM electric vehicles mailing list as a seventh grader. I have going back to of course because you're a GM apologist. That's right. I am a GM apologist. <laughs> I remember their letterhead was great. It was on recycled, that brown recycled paper. All right. Everything they sent had a little green leaf and like green little letterhead on it. And it was cool because it was basically a uh, an appeal for people to sign up to lease or be one of the – like the households that tested yeah. those out. And uh, I don't know how many they made, how many they had out in, in civilization. But I thought, well, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be cool to be a test household and have my parents drive around an EV1? Never happened. Little Daryl Scott running back and go, Mom, Mom, look what right. I got in the mail today, EV1. Right. I just think I think they could have done that so much differently. And it, it really bothers me that those are in museums and, and not some iteration. I, a lot of that stuff became the Volt and became the yeah. whatever. Yeah. So I get that. But it's just like, ugh, I don't know. It's like the Chrysler turbine car. Those things were the same the same way, revolutionary. Yeah, they that, had that I can't speak to because I, I, that's – I mean that's that's going back a little bit. Yeah, well, it was, it was the same thing. It was they they put a bunch of them in in homes. They let people put miles on them and saw what worked, saw what didn't, and they said, okay, we'll we'll take these all back now. And they crushed like all but six. And we'll of get them. back to you. Yeah, yeah. All but six of them got crushed. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. So my road trip, I I could literally spend an hour talking about road trip. I will not do that, Daryl. Well, the pre-show, we talked a little bit in the pre-show. Yeah, we did. We did. But Patreon. You know, when I was describing my co-host and I was talking about how, how well-loved he is, you know, for the way he preserves cars, uh, I think, you know, I, I probably alluded to the fact that maybe you unloaded a car this week. Yeah, I, I did. Um, it's a rare thing. But, I mean, literally, like, hours from, from right now. It, yeah. 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 It was, it was a very interesting thing that transpired. I had it on the market for about two weeks. Which car was this? Uh, this was the 58 Plymouth Savoy that I bought. This was my pandemic project that never materialized. Um, I got parts for it. 
didn't really work. I mean, on this it is too the much. one you drove to Iowa to get parts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wh- whoever bought this car probably got some hard to acquire stuff, right? They did. They got a, a whole treasure trove of parts, and I, I sold it on Facebook Marketplace. I sold it to a guy I actually bar- bought parts from. Oh, that's cool. Um, the guy I met from Iowa bought oh, it. Oh, seriously? Took it back to Iowa. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I didn't got, know that. Got quite a few. Got quite a few other vehicles, and nice guy. And I, I dealt with him before, a straight shooter, and I like dealing with people like that. And I'll tell you what. Did you reach out to him, or did he see your ad? He saw my ad. <laughs> he saw my ad, and I was trying to. I didn't put it in a big national group. I'm in so many different groups, and I thought, well, I could definitely put it there, and and somebody would buy it. But the trouble is I don't want to deal with people like, hey, I'm coming from Delaware. Can you hold it without me giving you money for two weeks while I maybe come and maybe buy it? I, I just didn't want to deal with it. truth in that. Sucks. It's anybody who sells anything on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or eBay. I mean that's just part of the deal. Um, at least I wanted hopefully to sell it locally. Well, I put it out on Facebook Marketplace in, in a couple groups and I got a little bit of interest locally. But mostly people wanted to buy the parts. They didn't want to buy the car. They wanted to buy all my spare parts. And I said, well, that, I'm not, I'm not going to split it up. And then you can't sell a, an empty shell that's painted and has no parts to go with it. Nobody wants to buy that. It's going to be a hard sell selling a project yeah. as it is. So uh, I had a guy from another place in Iowa who was called me. We talked for 45 minutes. Uh, he seemed like a pretty serious builder, had a couple other Mopar cars. And I thought we really hit it off pretty well. Followed up via text. He says, look, I'm going to get my trailer. I'll come out you know, either Wednesday or Sunday. We'll figure something out this coming week. And Wednesday, there were some storms. He's like, yeah, it's real muddy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's fine. Weekend works out better anyways, right? And uh, Saturday, there was excuse after excuse. <sighs> and then I said, well, I'm open tomorrow. Sunday works for me. I'll let you know in the morning. Well, you know, here it is 1130. Hadn't heard from him. So I text the guy and... Oh, let me let me get you. I'll call you in a few. And, and by two o'clock that afternoon, I had kind of waited enough, and I just said to him, I said, "Hey, man, if this logistically ain't going to happen, let me know. You know, um, it's been nice talking to you. We'll, yeah. you know, have a nice life." And he sends he sends back a text and says, "Well, either way, uh, nice knowing you, but here's what I would have offered you anyways. No more." And he shoots me this obscenely low ball amount. Where was he? Where was he from again? He's from the Quad Cities okay. area. So not too terribly far. No, no. And I'm and I I said we're too far apart, man. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. He's like, well, good. Uh, take care. Have a nice life. And then <laughs> on to on to buyer number two, right? Oh, God. And that's a sure thing. Everything's cool. Guy shows up, or not? Guy shows up. Um, <clears throat> guy eventually showed up, and that all worked out. But halfway through that week, while I'm waiting for this other guy. The guy who's, who lowballed me blew up my phone. Hey, man, I changed my mind. Can I come pick it up tonight and maybe we'll talk, we'll do this? And I'm like, no, you had your chance. And the thing that sucks is as an adult, like I would expect that kind of stuff. And I got a couple other goofballs. That, by the way, after I sell it, I still got a guy who's still messaging me about it. <laughs> Did you get a good price? What'd you get? Where'd it go? I'm like, I don't know you. What the hell? Um, but the whole lowball stuff, like – or the, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow, and then just flaking. I would expect that from an 18-year-old dude. Yeah, I, I can't imagine you know? it on guys who are looking at that car. Yeah. Yeah. Something that's not a $1,500 beater. Yeah. I mean, you get to that level, and you're 55 years old, and you've got some sort of a pedigree that you've built cars, and I, I've looked you up, and I know who you are. Yeah. Why, why are you being a dick? That's just, <laughs> that's just a dick move. Don't do that. So that's I don't know I don't know what your experience is selling things I'm just well I don't sell things Daryl you do 
You've sold stuff over the years. Uh, not as much sold as you lately. Yeah. You sold your Kubota. That's true. That went, that went really easy, actually. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I can't speak to that. Tractors apparently are Maybe they're demand. easier. I can't, I can't speak to that. Maybe. So anyways, yeah, I'm excited. Um, freed up some space, went to a good home, and uh, I'm, I'm actually going to use some of the money to go right back into the 55 Cadillac. I'm going to start working on fuel system, brakes, get that running, uh, hopefully by mid-summer. Have you... Yeah. Turned a key and turned it over. No, and I and I won't. I've had I've had a lot of people ask me and 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 kind of get on my case like, well, why have you even started it? Um, in my opinion, and I'm not an engine expert or anything like that. I don't think it's a very good idea to take something that's been sitting that long and just crank on it. Okay. Um, I'm, I try to be pretty methodical. There's a great write up in Haggerty um, Haggerty uh, website that talks about why you shouldn't cold start a, a you know a long stored car. You can do that. I mean, dudes like Vice Grip Garage and just, you know, put jumper cables on, put some see gas down the throat yeah. and just see what, you know. I think that's fine if it's like a 78 Malibu, you know, and it's just like, hey, this has been sitting. Let's see if it fires off. Well, cool. Um, this is a little different thing because I don't ever want to um, – it's like first do no harm, right? Yeah. I want to make sure I don't have to if – I, if I don't have to pull the whole motor in trans, I, I don't want to. It might get to a point where I do, but my, my goal with this one is to basically just try to be as methodic as possible, clean things up, go through a little check, like a pre-flight checklist. Because um, if I do get the thing up and running, the last thing I want to do is like, okay, it runs. Now I got to actually go and then I re have to do the fuel pump and do the this. and the, I'm going to have to do all that crap anyways. So my mind is I'm, I might as well just do all that, run fresh gas through it, run a fresh fuel pump, read, you know, do all the things that I would have normally mm-hmm. do. Um, so that when it is up and running, all I got to do is drop it off the stands and then I tune it and drive it. So that's my goal. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen. I did get the old water pump off and, uh, I've started kind of work on cooling system, um, which was not in that bad of shape. What but. comes out of the antifreeze hoses and something like that? <sighs> Actually, this isn't that bad. It's, it's old school, like, you know, real, real good glycol based stuff. It's, it's not rusty. It's still green. Seriously. Seriously. It's, it's nicer. <laughs> the antifreeze that came out of this is nicer than what came out of my 55 Plymouth. Wow. So okay. I'm, it's encouraging. That's awesome. Yeah. So it, we'll see what happens. All right. All right. The first uh, section, well, second section of the show. This week in social media, twism. <laughs> twism. I uh, actually copywrote that, so anybody steals that, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> Sarah, what did you find? This is always like your section of the show. Well, uh, my wife actually found this one, and I guess it was a, a viral video. It this made is kind of creepy. This is kind of stuff she probably watches reels of. Right? <laughs> I don't know how she found it, but uh, apparently there's a guy in New Orleans, and he got tired of having his lifted, real nice lifted Silverado crew cab. Broken into. Parks on the city street. I believe the guy's in healthcare. Probably works strange <laughs> hours. He got tired of actually having his truck broken into. So it was broken into a total of eight times. He said, you know what? I'm going to fix whoever tries this next time. So, uh, and here's the story. It's a YouTube video, but it's also featured on WWL-TV out of New Orleans. NOLA. Uh, it says, after setting it up for weeks, Brendan Bat caught a thief in the act. Suspect broke into a window and leaned into a car where the small explosion went off, <laughs> startling the thief and sending him running. And actually what he did was uh, the article goes on. Uh, it's an interview with the guy. And you watch the video. This dude basically smashes this window, leans in because this truck's pretty high off the ground. And like within seconds, this giant orange flash goes off and the guy just gets in the car and takes off. He oh. rigged up a uh, like a 12-gauge thing with a tripwire. It's basically a flashbang, a homemade flashbang. Yeah. So I don't know how this dude, maybe, <laughs> I kind of want to know this guy's background. Um, but he rigged it so that the tripwire set off anytime somebody went into the 
Ouch. Inside. And the guy got a face full of probably some shrapnel. Oh. Yeah. There you go. That's Look at probably. that. But and it's funny because the apartment video that uh, that went viral, it's like security camera footage. And they're like, police hope they use this footage to find the suspect. I said, I don't think you need to. I don't think he'll be doing that again. I think it's a one and done. If you got if you got a bunch of flashbang and shrapnel stuff blown up in your face, would you steal the car again? No. He, I mean, he probably is from an area where he – this probably part of his lifestyle. This is probably how uh, – He's uh, he's how he makes his living. So I don't know that necessarily if that's the case that he's going to stop. But I, I feel bad for him. But I mean, third degree I, burns might I don't be know. a deterrent. I mean, if you live in a spot where you know this is an issue all the time, yeah. I mean, why do you park something like that? Maybe you should be driving a little mule or something like that. Right, you know? right driving ninety seven Tacoma. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're asking for it. This truck is like lifted. It's on giant like thirty threes. It's got yeah. uh, fuel rims that have a low profile. And it's definitely a 12-inch lift that's on this thing. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was interesting, but I, I also thought, great. Now some everybody and their uncle that's had any kind of funny business in their car, they're going to get some idea and be like, yeah, I'm going to make a bomb too. That's great. I'm a, you that's know what I mean? Great. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. make a bomb. It, it yeah. Bust my car open. I'm going to blow it up. Phenomenal idea, folks. Scary. All right. We're, moving on to news, Daryl. Are you ready for world news? Let's do it. The world-famous neon lights of Las Vegas provide the backdrop for Formula One's newest race when the American city hosts a night event from 2023. This is from Formula One. The Las Vegas Grand Prix will take place on a Saturday in November of 2023. It'll be one of the three races in the United States joining Miami and Austin. I am actually pretty excited about the Miami race being somebody who used to live down in downtown Miami during kart racing and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Las Vegas hosted the races in 1981 and 1982, but this will be the first time F1 will race in the iconic Las Vegas Strip. With the circuit sweeping past famous hotels and casinos, the 14-turn track will run for 3.8 miles with top speed exceeding 212 miles an hour. That's probably going to be on Fremont Street. And during the Fremont Street experience, you could just like do the zip line right over like an F1. Yeah, exactly. It would be excellent. The design features three straights, a high-speed cornering sequence, and a single chicane. Uh, the Grand Prix will run over 50 laps. I think this is actually kind of cool, and I am so glad F1 is back in the United States, frankly. That's that's me speaking. Yeah, I wish I wish this would be the shot in the arm that it takes off here. Yeah, Globally, it's such a fun sport and here in the States. Oh, and there's so like, many personalities. It's one of those things like golf yeah. and every other sport. There's just great personalities. There's great manufacturers. Uh, and it, it it's a testament of technology when you watch what they do out there. I mean, it's just – it's amazing. 100%. And I think we even started – Watching some of that series, uh, Formula One or F1 on uh, Netflix, uh, I think you recommended that. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> I tried, to, <laughs> but I haven't watched it. I'm so terrible. I swear to God, I watched like two episodes, and then yeah. I think I went back to Perry Mason or something <laughs> on the Tubi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the national news, Daryl, did you know this? That most car shoppers think prices will never go down, and factory ordering is the new normal. Hmm. This is according to Market Watch. New car shoppers think that the global microchip shortage means high car prices, and they don't expect them to come down even as supplies return to normal. More than ever, they plan to order their next car, and fewer are willing to pay more than sticker price than they were last November. Fewer are willing to pay more than sticker price than they were last November. Those are among the conclusions of Cox Automotive's Chip Shortage Consumer Impact Study. Well, I'll say that one with a mouthful here. All right. Studies have been tracking consumer behavior and the attitudes regarding the chip shortage and its consequences since it began back in the summer of 2021. Uh, the key takeaways from the survey, Daryl, shoppers know about the shortage. So when you walk into a car dealership, 
when you say it's a chip thing, they know exactly. You know, sixty yeah. percent of shoppers are very aware of the microchip shortage, and twenty six were at least aware. That's a great number. Twenty six. <laughs> yeah, I've heard something about that. <laughs> Yo, chip shortage. Yeah, I know about that. So that let me let me get this number right here. Sixty uh, percent. That's eighty six percent total. So that means fourteen percent are walking into the store going, "What are you talking about, microchip shortage?" <laughs> So I can't get the blue SUV that I... So wait, I why I, don't you have any cars on the lot? What's going on? Yeah. Of those who express an opinion, 35% expect the shortage to continue for more than a year. Another 18% say they say at least another seven months, and they're likely right. Experts expect to continue through most of 2022. Okay. Uh, some, yeah. <laughs> some good yeah. market insights there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. All right, on to on to better news. Maybe I don't know. Maybe well, here here's something that's uh, kind of near and dear to our hearts because we actually covered quite a bit of the Bronco. Yeah, we were and, all over it. Uh, Ford is on pace to sell. That's right, one hundred thousand Broncos this year if they can keep production up. This is from the Drive uh, article that just came out recently. It says take a peek at the first quarter sales results from any automaker in this year, and you'll find they look similar. Sales are down, typically around twenty percent. Uh, and yeah, those two dirty phrases that have been seared into your brain, the chip shortage and wah, wah, supply chain issues still disrupting auto manufacturing. Uh, in March alone, Ford sold 9,757 Broncos. That's a number that's been increasing since 2022 started. In total, the Blue Oval has sold some 23,500 through quarter one, meaning the month of March was nearly half that figure. Sales are actually trending up for Ford after a slump. January saw 8,101 of Ford's popular new 4x4 moving off dealer lots. And, uh, you know, it still has work to do in terms of catching up with the Jeep Wrangler. 45,000 Wranglers were delivered to customers in the first quarter. That's double uh, Bronco sales pretty much. Uh, You know, we've seen a lot more Broncos on the road, but still kind of hard to get. And dealers are still kind of... uh, I don't want to say hoarding them, but oh, they're absolutely knocking out the uh, the, the what the added on yeah. values onto them and stuff market, like that. Market adjustment, dude. This is found money. This yeah. is literally yeah. found money. When they say they've sold, what was the number twenty three thousand in this quarter? That's twenty three thousand Jeep Wranglers or Toyota Tacomas that were not sold. I can guarantee you, everybody who bought a Bronco mm-hmm. was in the market for a Wrangler. I think so. This this totally cannibalizes Jeep. As far as I'm concerned, Jeep has got to be freaking out on this. I think they are, but at the same time, there's there's a little bit of a um, kind of a blowback. There's been a lot of quality control issues with that Bronco. It doesn't matter. You're talking a about a hundred thousand units that that possibly are going to be taken from other manufacturers. Chevy yeah. Chevy's not losing anything on this. I don't believe. No, they don't have anything. Com- no, the Wrangler the Wrangler is the biggest loser in that number. If I'm, if I'm Chrysler, I mean, you have to imagine the Jeep Wrangler has got to be one of the biggest cash cows they have in their fleet yeah. as far as it, it brings in decent money right there when they sell them. They get accessories. They get all kinds of stuff going on. You know, the customers own the vehicles. Their loyalty is huge. Yeah, you true. start losing Jeep customers to Ford at 100,000 increments right off the bat. I don't know. I'd be curious, though. I'd be curious how much of cross, how much crossover there is between those two. I don't know if that's – it's a similar vehicle, similar demographic. Yeah, one of my friends from Morton, he had a Wrangler. Got rid of his Wrangler, got a, got a Ford Bronco. I don't know. I, I know a lot more loyal uh, Jeep guys than I do Bronco guys. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Let, let's, let, let's revisit this. Time will tell. Let's, let's uh, put a pin in it. If I'll tell you what. If five, 
five to ten years from now, if there's still a Bronco offering and yeah. it's still true to what that is, yeah. soft top, you know, whatever, um, then I think that's that's a more fair comparison. I don't but know. I'll, I'll give you that because when uh, the FJ Cruiser first launched, I believe its first year had like 80,000 units sold uh-huh. in, in the United States. And that number dropped every year after that. Yeah. If the Bronco can't maintain that kind of number, then I will agree completely. But if they maintain 100,000 a year for the next two or three years, that – Might be that, out of something. Yeah, well, and th- ideally what that does is that wakes up manufacturers like Chevrolet, General Motors, Toyota, uh, you know – if if General Motors were to make a Bronco Blazer type thing, yeah. and Toyota were to say, you know, we're going to bring back an FJ but with a soft top, you know what would happen to Wrangler sales? They'd plummet. They would, pl- yes, they'd plummet because I'll tell you what they've owned that market. They have owned that market because there's nobody else domestically, uh, and even Land Rovers and st- all these other companies that made them, like Not the Defenders, they don't even make them anymore. No. So. I would love to see that because they really are fun. Yeah. And even like our friend Steve right now, Steve Brown, uh, he's out renting a Jeep right now out west yeah, and in enjoying. Mo- in the Moab. In Moab. And, you know, that's – they are still a fun recreational vehicle that you can still drive to work and take the kids to school with and stuff yeah. like that. They're really cool. So uh, anyways, found this is – Found money. Found is, money. And our next segment's quite interesting, Eric. Oh, and yeah. Well, this I'll is uh, more national news here. Breaker 1-9 there, Daryl. It's old CB radio talk. Yeah. <laughs> Were you a big fan of this? No, not the song. Yeah. CB radios, yeah, but yeah. Did you watch this movie with Chris Christopherson? Convoy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'll, we'll let this kind of play in the background. We don't certainly don't want Spotify or iTunes to kick us off the uh, <laughs> off their things. But hey, it was a dark of the moon. Oh, yeah. You know who that is, everybody? That's C.W. McCall, and that's the uh, his famous song, Convoy. He just passed away at 93 years old. This guy's a bit of a character, Daryl. He's up there. That? Yeah, not, I don't know much about him at all. The mayor of Uray, Colorado for a time. No kidding. Crazy, crazy, crazy. This is from Rolling Stone. Uh, C.W. McCall was an ad man who found fame as a country music singer with songs about 18-wheelers, including his 1976 crossover number one, That there was perfect is. timing, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was a number one. No, no, not number one. Was it number one? I, I guarantee it was. Holy smokes, man. He died at 93, according to his son, Bill Bill Freeze III. McCall had been battling cancer, was in hospice care in Colorado home when he died on April 1st. Breaker 1-9, here's a rubber duck. Uh, intoned in his novelty hit Convoy, a song released for CB radio as a community of long-haul truckers. It used them, released in November of 1975, the spoken word saga, would top both the country and pop charts for the next year. This song is very subversive, actually. If you listen, I mean, it this, is, yeah. Everything that happened with the, uh, what, this trucker thing that happened here recently, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's basically the Convoy thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's Pissed off about gas prices. Solidarity, you know, trying to... Trying to well, and, and, and CB culture was such a big thing. I, I think, you know, I was born in 79, but I remember even as a kid in the early 80s, CBs were still huge. Whenever we went on a road trip, my dad had a CB in the, in the wagon yeah. and, and communicate with the truckers and keep everybody kind of like, oh, watch out for Smokey Bear at the, this mile marker. <laughs> it's a bear in the air. Yeah. And that was the thing. It was like, what was that for? Well, if, if, for the young kids in the audience, the old folks are going to know all about this, but the national speed limit went to 55 in 19, was it 70? Ooh, if you, if you say so. I don't know. It was part of the OPEC thing. It was trying 
trying to reduce the speed, give cars more economy, and uh, get more mileage per gallon and all that stuff. That's when cars started seeing the 55 on the da- on the uh, speedometer, like an orange color with oh, yeah, a circle the, yeah, around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where they wanted you. That was the national speed limit for a long time. So CB radios were kind of this alt thing that truckers used to use to keep in touch. Uh, but it was also people in cars started buying them. Because My was, aunt with her vet used to travel to CB all the time, and she traveled behind truckers to yeah. know where speed traps were at. That's the thing. It was this kind of underground way of sticking it to the man by not getting a ticket. Yeah. And, of course, smoking the band and all that other fun stuff everybody knows about. But this song here, this was probably the first time it was, like, mainstream represented on uh, on the silver screen with Kanye. I just thought it sounded like the Muppets were singing along. Yeah, the backup singers. <laughs> yeah, like Animal and the rest of the gang were back there. Doctor Teeth, maybe <laughs> hammering on the keys. This does sound very Muppet esque. <laughs> so this is what seventy six. It said, yeah, nineteen seventy six. Number one chart topping hit. Yeah. So in the, in the movie when I was a kid, I mean, this goes right back to Smoking the Bandit and all sure. those movies. B J and the Bear. Yes, yes. Boy, there was a whole culture. B J and the Bear. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Truck truckers were were a real thing. They still are. They still are. But I, CB radio is dead, by the way, now. There's really not much action. We sometimes there. play with it out in the field, but, yeah, we pretty much all removed our CBs. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So that's uh, our tribute to C.W. McCall. And like I said, former mayor of Uray, Colorado. Crazy to me. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, local news, the Napleton Automotive Group will pay $10 million settlement with the FTC for the state of, in the state of Illinois. This has actually become national news. I don't know if you've been reading this. No, start, this is news to me. It started to spread all over the place. The uh, FTC on Friday announced that the North American Automotive Services, which also goes by Napleton Automotive Group, will pay $10 million settlement from a lawsuit uh, brought by the FTC and the state of Illinois. Nine locations. Napleton, to me, is around the Champaign-Urbana area. Uh, they were listed as defendants in a lawsuit that included Napleton's Elwood Chrysler Jeep and Elwood City. I don't even know where these are no, are at. He's in the suburbs, too, for a while. Okay. It's, they claim that they snuck illegal junk fees for unwanted add-ons onto customers' bills, and the company discriminated against black consumers by charging them more in financing. The complaint said the fees in the included payment insurance and paint protection, the legal, illegal junk fees... It cost consumers hundreds, even thousands of dollars, according to the document. And the survey cited the complaint showed 83% of the buyers from the dealership were charged junk fees and add-ons as a result of deception. It also alleges Napleton dealerships discriminated against black consumers in connection with financing vehicle purchases, such as charging approximately $190 more in interest and black customers paying $99 more for similar add-ons. No bueno. That's not it's, good. Uh, man, I tell you what, it's it's one of those deals where – it's still the Wild West when you get to the finance department of a dealership, right? Yeah, there's still – I mean, but, but let me ask you this. As somebody who's purchased cars over the years, yep. if you see a car in the lot, even a new car, you're like, oh, this is pretty cool. I like this. And on the sticker, it's like $200 for custom pinstriping or dealer add-on floor mats and a something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've never been of the mindset I, – I don't like bargain. I don't like haggling. I'm just not that guy. I always see that, and I'm just like, well, I guess I get the pinstripes and the floor mats. <laughs> Do you have people that come in and like, I don't want that. Take that off. Yeah, we've had – well, recently we've had that because uh, one of the things we sell in every car is, is Pulse. Pulse. Yeah, the is, brake light. It, yeah, it's a brake light thing. Yeah. And uh, during COVID, you know, we don't have much inventory. You know what? It's an add-on. You know, it's, sure. it, it's on the car. If you want the car, great. If you don't want it, somebody else will buy the car with Pulse, and that's just the way it is. And sure. So we've had a couple, we had a guy in the other day who said, I'll take the Pulse device. Do not install it in my car. I'll pay for it. 
But uh, knowing how hard cars are to get at this point, it is what it is. And that, sure. And I think that, that COVID is kind of just, you know, supply and demand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still funny to me when you drive by some, some lots and they got cars in a lot and then, like, we have none. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's, it's certainly make by make or model by model, right? Sure. I'm just wondering how much of that stuff how, – how do you cons- – how do they consider from a legal standpoint what's like a, oh, this is a junk add-on fee? I mean, you can bury all kinds of stuff in paperwork, but at the end of the day, yeah, it's interesting to me because there's got to be somebody who investigated this to see, and then of course there's a whole racial thing. Yeah, I can't speak to any. I yeah. have no yeah. clue. I mean, I, I just filled out. Well, when I was doing my COVID test the other day, I had to put in my race, and I remember it just asked these questions. Sure. And, and then I did a survey when my my visit to Monticello. It was, uh, what is your race? I'm like, really? Is this where? I mean, it drives me nuts. Yeah. But something must have happened on some of these, and and. It's inter- I'd be interested to know what what inspired the investigation. Sure, a bunch of um, you know class action type there, stuff. There had to be or, some complaints. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of people. If 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 you if you end up buying a car and you're all about payment, that's how you get in this situation. You think so? Yeah. Like the, no, I'm not trying to be mean or but the, the lower income folks. I did, yeah, I, or just somebody who's fixated on. Yeah, I want to pay three fifty a month, three seventy five a month. You know, and, that, and if you if that's that's your whole thing, I got to pay three seventy five a month. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> if they can figure out a way, we'll make to that get work. you a three fifty. But they can figure out a way to fill the void between the three fifty and the three seventy five. Right? Ah, they're going to do it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I understand that, and that's always one of those first things that uh, anybody who's who's getting advice on buying a car, they're like, "Well, yeah. don't go in payment. Don't worry. Yeah. You know, that's not the thing. You want total price of the vehicle. That's yeah. what you focus on, or price of your trade." I just I can only afford this per month. Yeah, I get that, yeah. but it's uh, but uh, you don't know. What you're, I mean, you're walking into places that uh, maybe the finance manager has only been there a year. He doesn't care. You know, maybe the general manager's. I mean, you. Who knows? I mean, who's running that Napleton store at that given moment? And they've right. been given an order, hey, make the store profitable. I mean, and the next thing you know, it's profitable, but he's like, you know, ram, hitting everybody. Sure. Who knows? I would think, though, as far as interest and things like that, um, do people not get pre-approved when they go into a, a dealer? Yeah, but uh, – Is it still very much, talk to the – I want this car, and now I'm going to go talk to the finance guy, and then we're going to run some numbers. Sure. I, the older I did that with my first car, and I learned I was twenty two, and I I I just kind of was like, whatever you say, I'm going to buy it. I don't care. Yeah. And then I got wise, and got, it was like, no, I'm going to get pre, just like a house. You get pre approved. People get pre. I mean, here's the deal, dude. I, I'm a SefQ member, and SefQ, we got thousands and thousands. And, uh, I'm not uh-huh. saying we're rich, but we got lots of money in SefQ. But then sure. when I call SefQ, get pre approved for something, or even our home loan, it's a hassle. Yeah. Okay. And so you know what we did. The last the last two houses I bought, which are my you know this this house and our last house, yeah. didn't go through SefQ. My bank, where I have all my money, they're just tedious. And I go to the dealership and I say, "What's the best rate you can get me?" Guess what? They beat SefQ. And in twenty minutes, you got an answer. Yeah, and it's not. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. So you know. Okay. Uh, and I think that maybe we get to the point where it's just easier to to, to know. You know, I'll just I'll, I'll just have the F and I guy. I'll, I'll, I'm going to fill out the credit app and let them do it right there. Yeah. And generally speaking, big dealerships. I mean, I even know when when we were at our heyday back when I was a salesman, we were selling you know lots and lots of cars at that little store. You had a SefQ rep on site, you know, signing people up, just doing all kinds of paperwork yeah. all yeah. day long. Yeah, just ready to go. Just always just writing contracts. I'm like, how much how much money 
is that one person writing contracts, making for SefQ, if they can sit there all day, that's all her whole job was. Tons of money. But I, from from the standpoint of uh, extra interest for, you know, based on, you know, your your race or whatever, yeah. I know my credit score. I know my wife's credit score. Yeah. And I know roughly what that gets you. I'm just wondering, do, do some folks just not pay attention to that? With all the free credit report and the Equifax and all those yeah. apps that you have where you know. I can't speak to the race part of that. I, yeah. I think, I mean, and it, I, hey, living in Tazewell County, uh-huh. I have to think there's you know there's poor and uneducated white people that probably paid higher rates in oh, southern sure. Tazewell. I'll, I'll bet if you were to break down what the interest rates of, of owners of cars in Tazewell County based on southern Tazewell County versus northern Tazewell County, Morton and Washington versus South Pekin and uh, and Manitou area. Sure, I'll bet you that the people in South Pekin paid higher interest rates on their cars. Than the people in Morton, Washington. Yeah, just like home loans and stuff yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I don't some know. of that. At least the home stuff's regulated. I just don't know how that other <laughs> other stuff either. is regulated. I don't know. Either. Who knows? We're, we're a little bit. We're running a little bit ahead of time. Could I talk about my grinding of the gears? You actually did fill out quite a bit here. I did, and this was from two weeks ago. It's a carryover. I, it is a carryover. Okay. I, yeah, listen, yeah. What's I, uh, what's grinding your gears? All right. So this. Grinding of the gears, Daryl. <laughs> it's been a while since we actually had one of these. <laughs> this one ground my gears because I've known this guy forever. I'm a, you know, I'm, I'll drop his name. His name's Dave. He's got 2016 Tacoma. Known the guy forever. Kids went to school together, and uh, he drove an Avalon for eons. Put, probably put 300,000 miles on the Avalon. I think it was gifted to him by his parents. He gave, gave the Avalon to his kids, and he said to himself, you know what? I'm 50-something. I'm going to gift myself a Tacoma. I'm going to go out and buy a Tacoma. I've been dreaming of a Tacoma for years. And uh, great, phenomenal. And he's told me that. What's he do? He calls his buddy from another used car dealership in, in Peak and Peoria area and says, find me a Tacoma. Now, I don't know any of this is going on. Sure. Uh, I just know he shows up one day at the dealership with this beautiful gray Tacoma. It's an extra cab, 4 by 4 uh, you know, 2016, like I said, and he goes, Hey, I uh, just got this truck from, uh, my buddy, you know, and I know his buddy, mm-hmm. his buddy's been in the car business forever. As, as a matter of fact, his parents, you know, I think his dad was, uh, baptized one of my kids, you know, at, at St. Oh, Joe's. Wow. Wow. So I, I know the whole family, I know the whole setup, but he comes to me and he says, the transmission shifting kind of funny. It's automatic. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. You know what? It's a 2016 Tacoma. It was the first year of that new body style. The transmissions were a little wonky. There's about a million transmission shift updates in those things. Okay. And I've done them all. So I sold them. I said, hey, just bring it back in, and uh, we'll get the shift update done, whatever. It's going to cost you a little bit of money because you're out of the warranty. You bought the sure. truck with like 100,000 miles on it. He brings it in. This transmission isn't just shifting funny. It's wonky. It is flat out gone. No. The transmission mm. is smoked. Uh, and then he proceeds to tell me the whole story. He spent thirty eight grand on this truck. It's a, you know, he bought it from his buddy. who got it at an auction somewhere for him because they picked it out together online. It came from Texas, had no service history, didn't know squat about it. Oh boy! And just and his buddy who bought it for him, it, it, no fault to him. You know, yeah, he's yeah. just he's just securing a car for him. But you don't know luck of the draw. Hey, when we send a car to an auction, there's a reason we're not retailing that car. If you yeah. buy a car from the auction. Good luck. Yeah, you know you better you better be a mechanic or or know that car before it went to the auction. As far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. um, you know. So we did. We tried to do the software updates. Didn't work. <laughs> it was bucking all over the place, and uh, it needed a transmission. And so he got a warranty when he bought the the vehicle. Okay. He paid twelve hundred dollars for the warranty. The max value of that warranty was three grand. He 
he could have got a used transmission. I'll give him a credit. He mm-hmm. you know, he bought a, a new transmission for like seven grand for this thing. So you know, oh boy, ugh, you know, I just I, I felt so bad for him. You know, and his buddy felt kind of bad, the guy who sold it to him, because I talked to him later on. But uh, I'm like, just a mess. I'm like, dude, yeah. no matter what you thought you saved by going to mm-hmm. the auction and buying a 2016 Tacoma, and, and literally, you know, you, you save your whole life and you want to buy this new car, just why would you buy it from the local dealership who you came to ultimately to fix the thing anyway? Yeah, we trust you to fix it. Yeah, yeah. but I didn't buy it from you. And it just, it, it, it bothers me so much, and that's too bad. Hey, you know what? I can't speak. Maybe he talked to a salesman a lot, and maybe a salesman just totally blew him off. And if that's the case, you know, it is what it is. And maybe a salesman said, "Oh, you'll never find that dream truck. It's a unicorn." Yeah, it's possible. Who knows? But man, it just it irritates the crap out of me. It's got to sour him on the whole thing too. Here's this thing he's wanted for a long time. He gets it, and it's a not yeah. a lemon, but it's it, he's it's such not a what a nice it, guy. And that's yeah. why that's the even worse part about him. <laughs> You know, like I said, a kid's the same age. His kid's going to college. I'm just like, you know, nobody wants to deal with that crap. No. But when you buy a used car, man, buyer beware. It's very true. It's And unfortunately, and at the end of the day, he's got a, a nice Texas rust-free Tacoma <laughs> that cost him a pretty penny. And he better keep it and hold on to it. He's got a new tranny, so yeah. it's good for that. He's he's stuck with it for a while. But he has no warranty. It's just like $38,000 on a vehicle that you can't put a warranty on. It's up there. It is. It is up that's there. Like, that's tall money. But that's that's where we're at yeah. today, and uh, well, that's interesting. So, so that ground my gears, and uh, mm-hmm. I just, man, I, that's the kind of stuff that that bothers me. Even when, just when I leave work at night, just like, like you think about, I do. I'm just like, why, yeah. why, you know? Well, somebody's got a better, somebody's getting a better deal. That's the thing. That's the thing with all. I think a lot of these decisions. I saved all this money. It's like the people that buy cheap windows. They replace their windows in their house, and they call the place that does like the $99 install special. Yeah. I got new windows. And then three years later, they're yellow. The seals have popped. You know, <laughs> The cock is peeling. They're drafty. Yeah. One of the latches broke off in your hand. And, and you, you call the it. people, and like, they're, they're gone. Yeah. They don't, they're, their business has got plywood on the doors. <laughs> yeah, but you saved all that money. And, yeah. But those are the same people that called them. And they called Renewal by Anderson or something yeah. like, oh, I'm not spending that much. I'm not doing $400 for per window. No yeah. way. Yeah. There's a reason. And I, it took me a while too. And not that I make tons of money now, but when I was in my 20s, that I would have done the $99 window. Yeah. I would have right? bought the used vehicle. <laughs> now you just get to a point where sometimes it's worth it just to do the right thing at the beginning, especially if you can't. If you can afford it, you can, you can yeah. squeeze it out. Save money elsewhere. Don't go out to – your prime rib special dinner. Go, you know, go yeah, to I Applebee's. Just, I just wonder. There had to have been another a, a dealership with a certified one somewhere around. Just would have, a couple would, grand more. He would have had a, a wrap bumper-to-bumper warranty on a certified car. And yeah. he would have had a powertrain warranty to 100,000 miles. Yep. It's worth it. For that kind of money for 38000 yeah. yeah. And, well, some people, too, uh, might have this impression. Oh, if I ever need to put something in, a motor's uh, 1500 bucks or something. Like, <laughs> no, no, not anymore. No. You know what a crate motor no. install is? Yeah. You know what a new trans yeah, is? I can't even imagine a crate motor. It's got to be 10, 12 grand. Yeah, easily. Okay. Easily. Yeah. We don't do crate motors at Toyota, so I'll never know. Anyway. That's interesting as well, but yeah. we'll save that for later. All right. So the one sound effect I didn't load in here, Daryl, it's, it's the theme song from Cars of the Week. Oh, the cool game show kind of thing. <laughs> yes, da, da, da. Yeah. exactly. Right. So Cars of the Week. You know, this week, Daryl and I went at the uh, Bradley University SAE car show, and there was yeah. – oh, man, I'm going to tell you what. There was a, a Venice. Uh, uh, what was the, the brand name of that? 
Oh, I don't remember the name. It's Some like, of the V. It's v, yeah. Valletta Venice or something like that. It's yeah. a three-wheeled car. And Angela stood over it, and she looked inside, and she's like, this kind of car is cool. I'm like, yeah, look, it's got this little windscreen on it. I said, you could probably drive this to work. It's three wheels. It's got one wheel in the back. It's probably cheap on gas. Of course, my wife says, you know, the Reliant Robin isn't, you know, a smart car drive. I'm like, this isn't a Reliant Robin. <laughs> it's, it's a little different. This, this isn't Jeremy Clarkson. But anyway, what I did, just as typical cars of the week, what I do that night, I got on my computer, Daryl. We were watching a movie on TV. I don't even know what we were watching because I was watching Facebook Marketplace and I could find a Venice. And I found them in Ohio. And they were thirty-eight to $40,000. Oh, for my 20, gosh. Oh, God, they were expensive. For a little, little tube chassis, it looks like it's an airplane with... Two outboard front wheels and a, and a back motorcycle wheel. But I, I picked them up, and I, I took my computer, and I handed it over to my wife said, look, we can buy one. And to that point, she said, uh, you need to sell some cars. And then yeah. once again, I reeled back. Closed like, the laptop. I did. And I said, <laughs> I, I'll watch this movie that I've suddenly forgotten again. And that's Cars of the Week, folks. We car shop in our minds all the time. We car shop with our, our spouses, and we show them cars. And sometimes they agree with them, but generally they don't. But these are the cars that we bring to you, that we found. We've perused the internet. This is what we would buy if we had the money and the support of our families. Money is no object yes. in Cars of the Week. This is why it's our favorite segment. Um, so so that didn't pan out. But I, I'm surprised seeing that thing. Uh, what's the thing that we thought it was? Like a Polaris slingshot with a body kit? Yeah, something like that. It looked, well, actually, it almost, didn't Morgan make something like – there's a company that makes like Morgan chassis on a three-wheel. I'm trying to think. Yeah, it was Morgan, the older Morgan. Uh, were they were they three wheels? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, because there's some there's a resto mod company that kind of does stuff like that, but they're super expensive. Yeah, they're crazy. No, this thing actually has some lines to it, and uh, we'll put a picture up in the post. Throwingwrenches.com, check that out. Vanderhall, Vanderhall Venice, Vanderhall Venice. It yes. looks absolutely stunning, and I kind of I kind of wanted one, but um, yeah. I didn't even bring that to show my wife. I actually I picked something um, this week, Eric. It's 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 classy. It's all class. It it's old as usual. Yeah, and it's probably <laughs> the most expensive car of the week that I've ever chosen. Oh, I don't even know what this is. So this is a, a Ransom Eli Olds. Holy crap! Look at that price. Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> Ransom Eli O's, uh, Oldsmobile uh, uh, character, right? Um, one of his other business ventures was. Um, Rio Motors, and uh, it's his initials, again, because he likes his initials. Uh, but like REO Speedwagon, that's named after a truck that they made. All right. So this is a 1933 Rio Royale Custom 8 Coupe. And what it was was a, a, a very, very beautiful uh, kind of streamlined, almost like an American Rolls-Royce of its time. Competed with like Packards and Duesenbergs. Very high-class, well-built car. And uh, they made other cars called like the Flying Cloud and all kinds of neat names, right? Uh, even for the Depression, you had to have some money to have something like this. So this guy uh, called Dragone or Dragoni uh, Classic Motor Cars, I believe they're in Connecticut. They have this one for sale. It's black on black, and it looks like a like a Packard or something. Real long, probably like a ten foot long hood. Uh, kind of a cool, um, smaller passenger compartment. Big side mount, spare tires on it. And this thing is listed at $235,000, which is just insane. But the reason it is this is because this thing has under 8,000 miles. It's got about 7,900 miles on it, and it's like a three-owner car. Oh, it's, so the mileage matters on this one? I think it does. It's still got the original paint, the old lacquer paint, and it's presentable inside and out, never been restored. It's always been pampered its whole life. 
And I saw this thing. I don't even know. It showed up in a Facebook group or something. And uh, I went to the dealer website and I just kept drooling because there's like 3,000 pictures. Of Seriously? This. Oh, my God. The chrome is – it's absolute work of art. This would be one that you would put on a pedestal if you had like one of those garages that had like the rotating like, – like the auto show <laughs> the in your garage. Yes. You would put that on there and just look at this all day <laughs> for $235,000. That's what I picked. I did show Sarah before I left tonight. Oh, I'm did like, she go for it? I said, what do you think about that? And she goes, ha, 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 and just walked away. <laughs> I mean it was to the point where – You don't have a – I mean this is actually more valuable than your garage. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. This is more valuable than my life, actually. So, But essentially, it's a brand new car, a brand new 1933 car because it's that preserved. That's what I picked, and it is a total departure from what I think you might have on your list. Yeah. I uh, Actually, I give you a ton of credit on this because I I uh, had kind of forgotten about this. Vanderhall Venice was going to be like my number one pick, and uh, and then you and you salvaged this from a previous, previous selection. Listen, Daryl, the little mule has caught my heart. And I admitted that earlier in the show. So as I'm looking at cars that maybe possibly might catch my fancy, what do I find? The Toyota Hiasi or a Hiace, whatever you want to call it, it's it's the utility van, but they also make some utility trucks. It's it's a van front, you know, that, that cab four design where you're sitting over the wheel. So definitely mm. in a front end collision, you're going to die. But uh, <laughs> Kind of like an old VW bus. <laughs> exactly. But but nicer looking. Yeah. This van uh, from carsfromjapan.com. It's a 1982 Hiace van. Um, it's a manual transmission, 6,000 kilometers. It's a four-door van, but it's got a bed, a utility bed in the back. It's only a two-wheel drive. Very unique. It's definitely a look. And uh, I don't remember what the, the price was on this. I think it was like fourteen to sixteen grand or something like that. But it doesn't the, seem that bad. The paint was clean. It's got like these white white rims with center caps that are silver. And uh, just a very plain face, almost like an EV face on, on the front of the vehicle because there's no like grill on it. So you almost wonder if the engine's just overheating looking at it. Just all <laughs> just sitting in <laughs> underneath your driver's seat, just getting hot. I, I will say it does have – it's an 82, but yeah. it does kind of have like an early 70s vibe to it, it or does. late 60s, right? It does. I, dude, I could just imagine pulling my cars of coffee with this thing. Just, just, You'd be the king. Yeah, You'd I'd be love the it. king. And then, I mean, part of me is like, oh, I'd use to pick up sticks in the yard, but I wouldn't. <laughs> this one's too nice and too special. It's right-hand drive. It's yeah. import only. They didn't import these in the States, correct? No, no. And you can get them because of the 25-year rule. So the, the cars from Japan, whenever you go to that website, they always have an importer who's ready and able to help you import that vehicle in the United States. But uh, God knows what you'd go through as far as you know the uh, the paperwork with the United States. I, it, there's gotta, I would love to talk to somebody. We should probably interview somebody in the future on the show. If you've bought a car from cars from Japan or one of those – what was that? Autobella? Oh, God. yes. Autobella. Yes. I still, uh, I still have fantasies about that site. Anyway, if you've ever bought a car from a site like that and imported the United States, I'd love to know the story on how that worked out. Yeah, you how know, to get the title and all that. Well, did it turn into thousands of dollars after you know after you acquired the vehicle, or was it pretty straightforward because it was an antique vehicle? It'd be interesting to know. Something like this would really be the the epitome of a JDM import. I love Skylines. I love seeing you know some of the Supras and the Celsius and things that we started seeing trickle in Celsius. here locally yeah. because they're kind of fun, affordable things from Japan. But this is this is different. When you see something like this, it totally stands out because it looks like something from a postcard from overseas. Because we don't we oh, yeah, don't total, see them totally. This thing is yeah. This would never meet any American safety standards whatsoever. No, which is why you need to have this in your collection. 
So keep looking. I did look. I nosed around. I saw this thing was sold, right? Officially, this auction went through. Yes, I appreciate you looking that up for me. I did click around. And uh, by the way, great, great website. I know Eric's ta- uh, talked about it before, carsfromjapan.com. Yeah. Uh, wonderful place to spend several hours looking at all kinds of fun, oddball stuff like this. Yes, absolutely. Hey, and actually, folks, before we close down the show, I totally forgot. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. <laughs> It's time for a delayed moment of Musk. Listen, there's not a whole lot of news here to tell you. Uh, I've been a little bit fanboying on Elon here this last week because I watched his documentary that's on Netflix, uh, Back to Space or something like that. But it doesn't matter because Elon bought Twitter last week. Now, he didn't necessarily buy it, but when you buy 11% stake like he did, uh, you definitely upset the apple cart. And then he said, maybe I'll be on the board of directors. They're like, well, if you're on the board of directors... Then we have to file some SEC stuff, stuff like that. And you're like, no. Oh, I don't want to do that. So Just kidding. Oh, by the way, that could be a hostile takeover. Probably need to file some more paperwork. And the next thing you know, he's getting sued by the other people who own stock. Typical Elon. We'll see how it all pans out. But guess what? Twitter probably got more attention in the last week than it possibly deserved, all because Elon got involved. And that is your moment of Musk. Boom. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Sorry. Had to had to shoehorn that into the end of the show. Always entertaining, Elon Musk and your moment of Musk. So um, I think that pretty much does it for this episode, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I think we're good. And uh, appreciate you guys' patience. We got the new mixer. We thought the sound effects were working earlier in the show, so I'm going to have to patch those back in. I think some stuff was a little wonky. Shame on me. That's right. It's our first time. We, we broke this thing in. And uh, let us know what you think of this show, uh, the format, you know. Whatever. What do you think? More about- shows. You want more shows, don't you? you want I know more you shows. Do. Info at throwonwrenches.com. Always looking for feedback. And share a review, please, for the love of God, because Eric will cry next time. We don't have any more reviews on the <laughs> Apple Podcasts. So All right, everybody. Thanks again for Throwing Wrenches. This is Eric Stahl. I'm Daryl Scott. See you next time.